You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sembrano. Host of Locked On Rays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. You can find Locked On Rays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, and online at fanstreamsports.com and the Fanstream Sports app. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play Locked On Rays. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Rays. Today's episode of Locked On Rays is brought to you by Built Bar. Promo code locked on gets you $10 off your first box at builtbar.com. Well, Ulysses, um, I think it's fair for me to say that today is a special episode. Can we, can, we, can we agree on that? Today is a special day and really should be a special week for the Locked on Race podcast. Yeah, we, uh, we finally did what we wanted to do, which is get a a race player, a former race player, mm-hmm. and, and share uh, memories and you know a little bit of sights and sounds of of what goes in Major League Baseball, and we were able to do that. Uh, we actually have an interview that we will be sharing uh, a two parter uh, mm-hmm. for this episode and on Wednesday's episode as well, and that is Matt Joyce, who is still in the big leagues and is going to be playing with the Miami Marlins this season if and when a season does get started and yeah so we'll have part one of our talk with him today then part two will run on Wednesday on today's show uh, we talked to him about kind of growing up in Tampa the Tampa Bay area Brandon more specifically and his journey to the big leagues and of course that that crazy year in 2011 where he was an all-star and he was seeing the ball like crazy and uh, if a pitcher left a mistake out there he was probably going to mash it especially in the early parts of that 2011 season yeah it really was uh a lots of fun with uh talking to matt and, and kind of get getting to know him a little bit and I, we hope that you guys also enjoyed this interview we're gonna try to do this a little bit more often mm-hmm. and but this one really uh as being the first we're really excited about it yeah he still lives in the tampa bay area has a lot of things going on business ventures uh, fitness facility. I mean, this guy is busy, busy, busy. Like you, you probably think that, you know, there's some big leaguers that are just sitting on their butt playing video games, looking at you, Blake Snell, not Matt Joyce, Matt Joyce. I mean, <laughs> is work at least nine to five, if not like nine to seven, nine to nine as of right now, by the way, he's still trying to get ready for an MLB season. And he's got all these side ventures going on. It's pretty, I mean, it, it's pretty remarkable how, how just the hustle of this dude, literally. Yeah, he's a grinder. And I guess he's shown that throughout his major league career as well, mm-hmm. right? Grind out a great career, uh, 13 years in the big league. So uh, he's a busy guy. Like you said, uh, he's got the F45 gyms in, going in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, he's got some real estate ventures as well. And again, trying to get ready for a season. So uh, a lot of things. So we were very fortunate that he gave us uh, some time to talk uh, race baseball with him. I know he's an avid golfer. That's my next move is try to sneak into his foursome, get a little <laughs> golf going at his uh, private country club. 
in Tampa. Okay. I got to try to work that out if I can. Um, after the Matt Joyce interview, we'll also be doing um, kind of a fun segment for actually it'll be sort of a, a continuation for the next two weeks, franchise what ifs. So we go back and look at what could have been if the Rays hadn't made this trade or hadn't drafted this player or uh, we'll look at some of the positives and negatives. So I think the best way to go about this for, I guess, part one of franchise what ifs, what if the Rays had drafted Buster Posey instead of Tim Beckham? That's kind of always the starter for Rays fans. So we'll dive into that. But first, our talk, part one with Matt Joyce. Ulysses, on today's episode of the Locked on Rays podcast, we are joined by a special guest, probably our best guest we've ever had, former (laughs) Rays player Matt Joyce, still in the big leagues, 13 years going strong. Matt, thank you for joining us. Yeah, well, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, You know, it was, uh, I'm a Tampa Tampa boy, hometown uh, grown kid, so uh, you know, this is my home and, and, um, you know, the Rays were, were a big part of my career. So yeah, happy to be on your, on the show, man. Well, thank you for, for being here. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad you, you start off with that because as a Tampa native, you know, the devil rays weren't around when you were a kid until maybe high school, your freshman year in high school, they pop up the devil rays with the purple and the green and, and you already probably had a team that you rooted for. So what was that like? Uh, did you convert immediately to a devil race fan? Did you go to any games? How was that for you? Yeah. So obviously I grew up playing baseball. My dad, uh, was baseball, uh, enthusiast. He was, he was a pretty good little athlete. And, uh, uh, he had an opportunity to go play in the minor leagues and, and my mom, uh, had my, my sister and then she was pregnant with me. And obviously, uh, you don't get, really any money in the minor leagues and especially back then. Uh, so, you know, he ended up working two jobs. Um, we, uh, uh, like I said, I was grown, uh, raised in the area. And, um, so I kind of grew up as a Braves fan because the Braves were, were on TBS. Um, so they were always on the TV and obviously they had an incredible stretch through the, through the nineties, especially mid to late nineties. And, um, some really talented players uh, to watch and root for. Uh, so we, you know, I was kind of a Braves fan. Uh, I was a big fan of Griffey uh, because he was a lefty, had a really sweet swing. And then, um, uh, like you said, the the Devil Rays, uh, the big Devil Rays came in town. I think it was 98 was their inaugural season, right? Um, uh, so that was my freshman year. And then, so we, we definitely went and uh, checked out some, some games um, but you know, they were never really, uh, the, the, the go-to team, you know, they were never the team to beat. Um, they had, they, they struggled for, you know, the first part, uh, better part of the decade. And, uh, and then, um, yeah. So, I mean, I was kind of split. I still rooted for him. I still, you know, was a race, a Tampa Bay race fan, a double race fan. And then, uh, and then I kind of had, you know, I, I got drafted by the Tigers in, in 08, excuse me, 05. Uh, so, you know, I had to be a Tigers fan when I got drafted by them. <laughs> right. And Matt, you, you mentioned, you know, being drafted by the Tigers in that and, and kind of going through the progression of, of the minor leagues to the majors. One question I've always wanted to ask some big leaguers and, and 
um, former big leaguers is the difference, how big of a difference it is from AAA to the majors. Can you kind of underscore that a little bit, how, how big of a transition it is from, from AAA to the show? Yeah, it's, it's a little difficult to describe, but I'll, I'll give you the best, uh, um, you know, um, kind of, uh, look into it that I can, um, every level it, it just gets, baseball gets a little more refined. Um, obviously your competition is, you're kind of weeding out the competition and, and, uh, the, the skill set, the talent level, um, and the talent pool just, just really gets uh, a lot smaller. And, um, you know, really once you get to the big leagues, I mean, you're, you're the best of the best in the entire world. And, um, you know, you start seeing a lot more freaks. I call them freaks because, I mean, <laughs> you know, guys, guys like Trout and Judge, um, you know, Yelich, these guys are, are just absolute freaks and how good they are at, at this game. Um, so, you know, the minor leagues, you'll, you'll have a lot of talented guys, but, but you kind of see guys that don't want it as much. You might see some talent, but they don't have the work ethic. You might see, um, you know, some kind of talent pop off the page where maybe they have a certain skill where they're really fast or they throw the ball really hard, um, but they don't have the location or, you know, they can't square up the ball as consistently. Uh, in the big leagues, I mean, like I said, the guys are the best of the best. So every level, it, it gets a little increasing, uh, increasingly harder, more difficult. And, um, you know, it's the same thing as triple uh, A to the big leagues. Um, it's just, a little bit bigger of a jump um, because they are the best of the best. I mean, these guys are up there for a reason. Everybody, I feel like the hardest part in the big leagues nowadays is <clears throat> there's so much information that everybody knows your weaknesses. Uh, so everybody attacks your weaknesses. Um, and, and then obviously you, you guys have seen a lot of the shifts uh, over the last 10 years. Um, so really the data is changing the game uh, changes how they attack hitters. And then you really have to be very disciplined, um, to, to wait for your pitch to, 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 um, you know, do your homework, uh, to be prepared for, you know, how a pitcher and how a team is going to attack you. And then, um, for us, I always tell the guys, you know, we're, we're going to make our money off the mistakes. Um, you know, when, if a pitcher makes his pitch, um, you know, sometimes you just got to tip your cap. Right. Right. Well, uh, Rays fans have, have a lot of many, uh, you know, fond memories of that sweet swing uh, of yours from, from the left side of the box. And uh, if you could narrow it to, I, in my opinion, the top three moments of Matt Joyce with the race, uh, I would say game 161 home run, the grand slam in the Garza no hitter and your first walk off home run against the Orioles in, in 2013. Now, when you look back, at your Rays days, what comes to you? What, what kind of memory pops up first in, in Matt Joyce's mind? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Um, for me, a big part of that was the fact that we went to the playoffs three out of the five years that I was there. Um, so we had some really good teams um, to that I was a part of. Um, and And, you know, I mean, for me, um, I got caught up in 08 and the Tigers were really predicted to win the world series because they were so talented. We didn't even make the playoffs. And then we go to the Rays, and, 
you know, they they came off uh, going to the World Series in 08, and then we still continue to make the playoffs for three out of five years. So I got a little spoiled um, <laughs> thinking, you know, you're going to make, yeah, we're going to make, we're, you're kind of expect to make the playoffs. And uh, it's not that easy. I mean, you have a lot of teams, you have, um, you know, guys that are extremely talented. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, like I said, I, I kind of took a little granted to, to make it to the playoffs, but I think it's so special uh, to be on such a great team that that's able to make it to the playoffs. And then obviously if you're able to repeat it, you know, you, know, you really got something special there. Um, so playing for Joe, playing with that group of guys that was that talented, um, uh, you know, is something I look back and, and was really, uh, thankful to be a part of. Um, and, and I remember those, you know, going to the playoffs and, and the excitement, um, you know, because obviously we all know how the trop kind of fares during the regular season. Right. Um, but man, when, when we made the, the playoffs, uh, you know, the building was rocking. And it was really fun to to play for. It was really play, fun to play in front of, and um, you know, it was just just a different atmosphere. And uh, you know, hitting a home run in the playoffs, I, I think, stands out. Uh, you know, for me, making the All Star team uh, during <clears throat> while I was playing for the Rays really stands out for me. Um, and then the other ones that you said, I think those are definitely the highlights uh, of my tenure at the Rays. Uh, now you said uh, your all-star selection in 2011, which you completely, I mean, that was a great season for you, uh, career highs, but you know, the month of May, you just obliterated the ball. You had a slash line of 414, 470, 759. I mean, it was a gaudy OPS of 1229, seven home runs in 87 at bats. What, I mean, what were you eating? What were you doing? I mean, what, what it really yeah. helped you kill that ball that month? Yeah. I mean, that was probably the best month of my, <laughs> my entire career. Um, and it was so weird because during spring training, I was swinging through fastballs right down the middle. And I was just like, I don't know what's happening. Um, you know, usually like I'll at least square those balls up and, um, I was really losing my barrel in the zone um, and my, you know, uh, it's hard to, hard to describe a little bit over the phone, but you know, you just, your barrel drops and you're swinging under the ball. And um, for me, you know, uh, that first month I, I struggled the first like three weeks, I really struggled and I was pulling off the ball. I was losing the barrel and I was just like, man, I don't know what I have to do. And um, I made a couple adjustments, uh, you know, I, I was like, you know, let me just see if I can raise my hands and I'll raise my hands. And, and I just started really working, man. I started working on the high tee. I just, I, I felt like I killed myself. Um, you know, I'd take batting practice and then get ready for the game. But right after uh, batting practice, I would go straight to the cage and, you know, do drills for high, for high tee to keep, uh, to stay on top of the ball. And then between that and raising, raising my hands, um, it really got me into a nice slot, uh, for my swing. <clears throat> and instead of swinging on, under those balls or, or fouling those balls off, I was just squaring up everything. And, um, man, it was fun. I tell you that because, <laughs> you know, I just, it, it's, it makes a world of difference to have that confidence to know, like when you, you know, when you let your swing go, that that you're going to square it up you know if i get a pitch 
you give me, give me a good pitch to hit, I'm going to hurt you. Um, and it's a great feeling to have. And, and you don't always have that feeling um, because baseball is just so hard, so hard to, to be consistent. Um, and, and things just change. You have, you have injuries, um, you know, every pitcher's a little different. Um, and then even day to day, your swing might feel a little different and, and knowing where like your barrel is, um, is, is tough to repeat. Uh, so it's a little difficult to, uh, you know, have people understand, but <clears throat> that's, that's the best way I can describe it. Well, Ulysses, I uh, indulged this weekend, had a couple of built bars, and got to tell you, I felt great. Did I you felt know? great. Yes. Which, what what flavors? I went with the uh, chocolate peanut butter. Okay, that was kind of the main one that I went with. Um, you know, there's so many different flavors up. They got 16 of them, so it's kind of like, oh, what am Amazing. I? It's almost like a game. Like I, I feel like I'm just going to from now on. I'll just close my eyes, put my hand in the box. Pick out whatever whatever comes out. I'm going to try it and go with it. And I don't think I can go wrong. Well, I, I don't think you went wrong with the peanut butter one because I, I, I've had that one and it's delicious. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's so yummy. It's, it's just like a candy bar. It's amazing. Yeah. Here's the thing. So I told you that I was planning to bring a built bar out to the golf course. I played on Friday, but I was in such a rush trying to finish up my work and trying to get everything ready trying to make my tea time, my late afternoon tea time on time. And I forgot to pack a built bar. And what happened? Oh. I played terribly. I was Look awful. Oh no. I think I lost like nine golf balls. Uh, I, I hit a ball into, uh, somebody's yard and he, he yelled at me and yelled at my <laughs> uh, partner. He's like, first of all, okay, buddy, if you don't want the ball, you know, you don't want people walking in your yard or hitting a ball out of your yard, don't live on a golf course, okay? Especially right off the fairway, just saying. Um, So I will not make that mistake again. I will make sure I'm loaded with built bars before I go out to the golf course. I'm sure that if you do get into the foursome with Matt Joyce and playing golf with him, you wouldn't do this mistake. You would bring built bars, not only for for yourself, but also for Matt Joyce. Absolutely. That would be the exception where I am sharing built bars with somebody. I'd be like, okay, Matt, you're an exception to the rule. I, I normally like to hoard my built bars, but no, I will I will let you indulge. Here's the thing. Built bars, low calorie, high protein, low sugar, no crazy additives, uh, and also new flavors coming out. We've Ooh. got a couple new flavors. They came out on May 10th. Chocolate cookie dough, mango, and peach cobbler. Ooh. Yeah. That's going to have to go with some of those flavors. And again, those flavors, just like the other 16 flavors are very, very nutrition friendly. We're talking 20 grams of protein, less than five grams of sugar, less than five grams of net carbs. You can't go wrong. And not, you know, not 150 ingredients like some of these other protein bars on the market uh, that are on the market out there. Um, What I found is uh, with the Built Bar is, you know, a lot of times you buy a protein bar and it's hard as a rock. It's like, it's like a base. It'd be like biting into a baseball bat almost right. now with built bar. They're soft and easy to chew. That's probably maybe the one, if I was to, to describe them in like one main quality, soft and easy to chew is probably the way to go. A hundred percent soft and chewy. Yes. Um, so if you want some built bars and, uh, I implore you to try them for yourself, go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on. And that will get you $10 off 
your first box at BuiltBar.com. Also follow them on Instagram at I'm Built and on Twitter at Bar underscore Built. This podcast is sponsored by the audiobook edition of 24 Life Stories and Lessons from the Say Hey Kid. In this reflective and inspirational memoir, the legendary Willie Mays shares the inspirations and influences responsible for guiding him on and off the field. Widely regarded as the greatest all-around player in baseball history, the beloved Willie Mays offers people of all ages his lifetime of experience meeting challenges with positivity, integrity, and triumph. This special audiobook production includes a forward read by Bob Costas and a bonus conversation with Willie Mays and his co-author, John Shea. Whether you miss seeing your favorite players on the field this season or are looking for the perfect Father's Day gift, 24 is the inspiring story of one of sports fans' favorite living legends. Buy the audiobook edition of 24 now, wherever audiobooks are sold. How about that, Ulysses? We talked about Willie Mays last week, and now we have a live read for a book, a memoir on Willie Mays. Funny how that works out. I'll tell you this easy hypothetical. If the Rays had ever had a guy of the caliber of Willie Willie Mays, uh, maybe a couple rings uh, would be... Uh, you know, or a couple banners. So World Series banners would be hanging up in in the rafters in Tropicana Field. Great segue. Great segue into our next segment franchise what ifs and and this is kind of a network wide thing that's going on and it's it's talked about it's almost become like the stadium debate although hey there's no baseball going on so we're going to talk about it what (laughs) if the rays had drafted buster posey instead of tim beckham in 2008 what would that rays team look like over the early 2010s. Man, I was looking back at some of the records and some of the accomplishments and some of the achievements. Um, Is it fair to say, I think at the very least, the Rays would have gotten over the hump and beaten the Texas Rangers and the LDS in one of those years, right? I mean, you'd have to imagine. You have to, I mean, yeah, 2010, you have to think, well, he didn't play that much. You know, uh, he was kind of getting used to the league. Uh, Mm -hmm. Buster Posey, of course. But he himself was in that postseason in 2010. And in that first round in the NLDS, he had a slash line of 375, 444, and 882 in that NLDS. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm just, I'm just saying, uh, by the way, 882 was the OPS. Uh, so that's NLDS. He kind of dropped off in the NLCS, but in the World Series, he was back at it again with a 300 average and a 783 OPS. It's not plug in and play mm-hmm. usually with with players, as we've said. You know, Pat Burrell, great example, right? Awesome with the Phillies, awesome with the Giants, uh, c- catastrophe with, with the Tampa Bay Rays. So it's not plug in play, but man, Buster Posey's better than Pat Burrell. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. And he's better than uh, Kelly Shopik and Oof. Jose Molina. We would have seen a lot less Jose Molina and Kelly Shopik if Buster Posey was in the lineup. Uh, 2012, we, we talked about that season, how good the pitching was. Probably the best pitching the race have ever had as a, mm-hmm. a, as a starting unit, plus what they had in, 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 in the bullpen, plus the guys that were <laughs> behind the five uh, horsemen. 
you know, the number six and number seven. I mean, you had Alex Cobb and you had uh, uh, Chris Archer uh, as the number six, number seven guy right, right there. Uh, yeah. Pitching. The team won 90 games. The team won 90 games in that 2012 season. They couldn't get over the hump. You know what would have helped? An MVP type bat like Buster Posey mm-hmm. in 2012. The guy hit 336, an OPS plus of 171. That led mm-hmm. all of the major leagues. And he's a catcher? Yes. What? You know, it's funny about that 2012 year because Buster Posey compiled a 7.6 war that year. So you would think, I mean, just doing basic math, right. another 7-8 wins, at least providing some protection in that lineup too. Oof. And some pop. I mean, not only would they made the playoffs, but... I'm almost willing to go as far as to say that the Rays would have played in another World Series. I don't know if they would have won one, but at least during that time, that that window of 2010 to 2013, right, there would have been an opportunity to compete for a World Series and not just be okay. You made the playoffs, go home, uh, and and get prepared for next season because those World Series teams during those years, it's not like they were powerhouses winning 100, 510 games. There were a lot of 90, 92, 94 win teams. And tell me what was the one thing that was always missing and has been always missing, uh, you know, from the Rays in, 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 in position. It's been mm-hmm. the catching position. Yes. Everybody can talk. A, a Rays fans that don't want to talk bad things about the Rays will be like, well, gee, that defensive war that Chopic and Molina and Zunino bring, that's amazing. Yeah. But that's fine and dandy, but let's look at overall value. And overall value, I don't think we've had an overall value of good, you know, potential mm-hmm. in the in the postseason. In the yes. postseason. I mean, Deion Navarro, that was a fluke year. That was an awesome year, but right. that was a fluke year. Because, I mean, you look at his career, that was, a fl- that, that was one and done kind of year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilson Ramos was traded in his all-star year. Uh, Travis Darno, amazing, kind of disappeared in, in a little bit in in the playoffs. And again, when you're facing Cole twice, it's kind of difficult to put up right. numbers. But this is the the one component you put in Buster Posey in that beginning of the era where the Rays were so so good. I mean, 2010, 2011, 2013, that 2012 team. I mean, you could have had back to back to back appearances by the Rays in the postseason with a really good chance of making it, but they just needed a bat. Yeah. You always said that. Oh, the race, if they only had one bat, well, this was the bat plug and play. And you could make an argument that the Rays pitchers might've performed better over those years, knowing that they had a consistent, Oh, we know Posey is going to be our catcher and we can build a rapport with him and work on the communication. I mean, it's not like Posey was just a bat as a catch. Like he won a gold glove and he did a lot of good things defensively right. too. And um, besides just maybe deepening further into the playoffs during those years, I look back at, you know, this year, the last couple of years, think about the trade haul that the Rays could have gotten for Buster Posey. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure they would have tried to sign him to an extension, but I, I don't know if his, him and his agent would have taken up on an Evan Longoria team-friendly type deal or anything at that time but at the very least you let him get through deep in arbitration he's got a year or two left before free agency and the rays would still be seeing the fruits of that labor i'd imagine 
constancy. That that's I think one of the, look when ever since he came into the, the league, the, the guy ha, has been consistent. I mean, mm-hmm. the 2011 year where he got you know run over basically by by a truck yeah. at home plate and was able to only play 45 games since 2012. That year that he won the MVP. By the way, he comes back from injury and then wins the MVP. What kind of guy? Comeback player of the year, yeah. Work ethic. I'm just going to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, from 2012 to 2017, he posted, man. He played 140 games or more. 140 from the catching position. Those yes. knees took a beating. I, what a great talent. And mm-hmm. the race had the opportunity to draft him obviously went with a middle infielder you know again they still go for middle infielders right uh, there must be something in the sauce there uh in the scouting saying no this is the way to go but i think that we can all agree that this was a mistake yes and you know it's it's so easy i will say to look back in hindsight in 2020 and say yeah should have drafted buster posey but it's not like posey <laughs> was drafted second overall i mean he fell all the way to fifth so a few yeah. other teams slipped on him as well. And we have to remember, I, I went back and researched this. Okay, his agent was asking for a $12 million signing bonus. Wow. And I think that's ultimately probably what turned the Rays away. Of course, he didn't sign for that much. He signed just for like $50,000 more than Tim Beckham did. But for uh. a small market team and things like that, like it, it just – because you know he's not going to – You've got six and a half million dollars on the table. You're not returning back to FSU. You're not doing it. No. After winning the Golden, you had accomplished everything you could have in your career at FSU. And I mean, I think the Rays should have just been like taking the bait there and be like, nah, okay, we drafted you number one overall. There's no way you're returning back to college after that. Right. right. But, and I, I also kind of feel a little bit bad for Tim Beckham because now, you know, being drafted number one. He, he's always had to live in the shadows of Buster mm-hmm. Posey. And now I'm sure he's, he's had some self-inflicted things with, you know, PEDs and, and marijuana suspensions and just not hustling and not having maybe the, the makeup and character that um, you quite frankly need to make it and, and be successful at the big league player at the big league level. Um, but we also, I mean, we just kind of have to remember that it was, you know, it's not like Tim Beckham was a total reach at that time back in 2008. Like I think baseball America had ranked him as the number one prospect and everything like that. But, you know, I looked back at it and I saw that Buster Posey, uh, his final year in college, he batted 462. (laughs) Tim Beckham, his senior year in high school in little Griffin, Georgia batted 482. So that should just tell you something right there. Yeah. If a guy is, is level of competition. Yes. And this guy is almost, I mean, basically batting the same as Tim Beckham at a little high school in Georgia while, uh, while Buster Posey is doing that at FSU against really minor league competition, future pros. I mean, division one elite level baseball is, I, I mean, <laughs> I get that Beckham, you could say, Oh, he had a high, look what he could be. He's a five to a player has a high ceiling, shortstop, everything like that. But Buster Posey, you know, at the very least you're getting a big leaguer and a probably pretty good one at that shortly after drafting him. And that's the thing that bothers me a little bit is that you they go for the high ceiling except for the you know the high floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of knew what to expect, Buster Posey. Like I'm thinking, you can expect this guy to get to the major leagues if he's healthy. Again, 
Every, right. You know, it's a catching position. You don't know if, if their knees are going to, you know, hold off a little injury or whatever. But I just, I baseball isn't basketball. Right. You can't just. I mean, I mean, going from high school to 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 the to the pros seems like a very big step for baseball i mean how can you project an 18 year old yes shortstop to i mean you you he still has to play at least if he's really good three years of uh, of minor league baseball probably four mm-hmm. most likely five right uh, four to five years is what it's going to take maybe an injury here you have well, to it, it took level. him like seven years because he really didn't make buster posey was up and productive <laughs> in 2010 Tim Beckham wasn't really called up till 2015, and he still yeah. wasn't that good at that point. So, so my point is, I don't. I, I, if I were a scout, I mean, and again, I don't know anything, right? Yes. But if I were a scout, I would rather scout the guy and, and draft the guy that has played in college ball. Has has known what it's like to probably live outside his home. Uh, mm-hmm. Knows what it is to wake up for a morning regimen. Uh, you know all of those things yes. that come with college athletes' life. Than a high schooler. I'm sorry, a high schooler knows yeah. nothing. They know nothing. By the way, I think uh, Posey was an academic all American too. So uh. he had it on and on. I mean, you, the scouting <laughs> yeah. report was right there. It was right in front of you. Like it just was, draft it, him, pick this kid. <laughs> It was a complete whiff, and like you said, it's not only the Rays that whiffed on him. Yeah, a, a few teams whiffed on him too, and Baseball America, and a, and a bunch of scouts did too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way that we look at it now, hindsight, it's it's kind of astonishing that he didn't go first overall. Yeah, uh, Buster Posey in his career has uh, compiled a forty-one point eight WAR. Tim Beckham, want to take a guess for his career? I'm go with a two point eight. Very close, three and a half. Wow. Three and a half. So Buster Posey basically eclipsed that war in a half season somewhere. <laughs> Pretty much every year for have, a string of five ha- or six years. Half season of 2009, like, you know, yeah. or 2010. 2010, boom. And it's like the race. I mean, we just know about how much struggles they've had finding a catcher. Oh, my gosh. And this guy was right there, right there. Well, I just, you know, let's just hope. Uh, Ronaldo Hernandez is yeah. going to be the guy that people get to start forgetting about Buster Posey because this is mm-hmm. always going to be a little bit of a of an annoyance for Rays fans. Is why oh why didn't we draft Buster? Mm-hmm. In the Rays' defense, that 2008 first round draft just wasn't that hot. There weren't a lot of great players that came out of that draft. If you look on down the list, um, I mean, it just wasn't there's not a lot of hall of fame i mean it's clear in a way that buster posey was the best player in that first round now garrett cole was actually taken 28th but he didn't sign so it's not really considered mm-hmm. part of that draft um here's one other little note tidbit on buster posey so we talk about positional versatility uh and we know that he's since moved to first base you know the knees start to to wear down on you there was a game uh and it, when he was playing at FSU against Savannah State, FSU won 10 to nothing. In that single game, Buster Posey played all nine positions for FSU. (laughs) I guess every inning, they just moved him around. Catcher, pitcher, outfield, infield. It was like, why not? Let's try it. 
Let's do it. That, that should tell you something about this kid. Man, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool tidbit. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, he went on to win three World Series, MVP, oh, yeah. Gold oh, Glove, yeah. right. what, like four Silver Sluggers, six-time All-Star. <laughs> Tim Beckham, uh, not no, none of that, really. None of that. I just Strikes, well, strikes out a lot. I'll give him that. Yeah. <laughs> it's for a little bit of power as a middle infielder. Yeah. What, quick question, and then we can end this. Is Buster Posey a Hall of Famer? Oof. Not right now. Okay. And I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he's Hall of Very Good. Yeah. He needs a couple more seasons where he puts elite level numbers again. Like Evan Longoria. Ironically, I'd say he's close. Okay. Who's closer to the Hall of Fame? Evan Longoria or Buster Posey? Ooh, that's good. That might have to be a topic or a segment one day. I like that. Um, so don't I mean, answer if, that. If we're just, yeah. I mean, don't if we're just that. looking at war, I guess you could go with Evan Longoria. But it's so, I mean, what's so funny is now they're playing on the same team. You wish exactly. it was with the Rays, but it's with yeah. the Giants. <laughs> also, last thing. Evan Longoria is on Cameo. Is he now? Yes. Wait, did we guess the, the price? Was it $100? It's very close. 125 Ooh, man. He's going $25 I, over yeah. budget, man. And I'm willing to bet if he had started Cameo or if Cameo had existed uh, around, you know, 2008 to mm-hmm. 2012-ish, that Cameo price probably would have been about four or 500 bucks. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. So just saying, <laughs> somebody needs a Father's Day gift, birthday gift, whatever it may be, have a long gory Cameo. There you go. And I'm sure you'd have a good personality about it, too. All right, that wraps up this edition of Locked on Rays. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on MLB. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday.